Welcome to Email and Beyond, the podcast bringing you all the latest email marketing and other complimentary marketing channel tips, tricks, industry chats, brand insights, and more every two weeks. Join me, Kate Barrett, founder and CEO of eFocus Marketing, and Richard Wall, Marketing Campaign Manager at Spotler, as we talk you through the good, the bad, and the ugly of marketing, and how you can create a more intelligent strategy that gets results. Hello, welcome to another episode of Email and Beyond, the marketing podcast from Spotler and eFocus Marketing. I'm Richard Wool, Marketing Campaign Manager for Spotler UK. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll notice straight away that we haven't got Kate with us, we've got a special guest in the studio. Chris, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, my name's Chris, Chris White, Senior Marketing Manager at Closer Still Media, a uh, events company where I look after Tech Show London, which is an annual B2B tech conference. Okay, and the reason we've invited Chris on today is because he's worked very closely with Kate and he focused on, as he said, Tech Show London, making their email strategy a lot smarter, a lot simpler, converting on more highly, basically, putting into practice the stuff that Kate and I have just been just talking about mm-hmm. through there. So we thought it'd be helpful for, for you guys to have a bit, um, an insight into, into what it actually looks like. So Chris, Texture London, what was the challenge that you faced? What was the reason that you brought eFocus and Kate into helping yeah. in the first place? Absolutely. So to kind of kick off, to give a bit of context as to, to what Texture London is, as an offering, it's a annual B2B tech conference where tens of thousands of tech enthusiasts, professionals, leaders, all head down to the XL in London for two days of networking, of world-leading conference sessions, um, and the opportunity to meet with world-leading exhibitors, think the likes of IBM and Google, Oracle, and many others as well. So that's what it is in terms of a general offering. Some people consider it like an IKEA of the tech world where you have the whole tech stack in one room. It's split into five different co-located shows. So you have everything from DevOps to cloud, cybersecurity, big data, and AI, and yeah, data centers as well. So you've got the whole, the whole lot there. So you get a whole smorgasbord of people coming in there. Um, so from a, a tech show perspective, I joined in 2021. And just before that point in 2020, there was a near deserted show just before the UK went into lockdown and then we were forced to cancel in 21. So looking ahead to 2022, we did return to a successful, albeit smaller audience while things were still a little bit, you know, on edge with regards to social distancing and things like that. So we basically knew we had to do something to restore the show to its former glories of 2019 and beforehand. So we basically identified two core challenges which we thought would help us to do that. The first of which was to get more people through the door, of course. But second of all, we needed to increase the seniority of that audience as well. So the likes of Google and IBM, they spend the money to to exhibit or to sponsor the event because they want to meet with the, the budget holders of these end user organizations, the, the C-suite, the, you know, the, the CFOs, the CIOs, the CTOs and everything like that. So we knew we had to, to meet these two challenges to get more people through the door, get more exhibitors to actually want to book with us um, and take us to the next level. So that was essentially what we had on our hands. So that's a really interesting thing. We talk a lot about the impact of COVID on marketing all kinds of things, but they obviously live at exhibits feel it probably the most keenly out of anybody. So you're kind of in the sense where you've got 
stuff that you know worked before, but you're also almost building from scratch because firstly you've got you've got to rebuild it for you haven't got a year's worth of, you haven't got the previous year's content to rely on, and then you've probably got especially in some of those industries a lot a high turnover of, of people. So you have you'll have CMOs, CTOs, FDs yeah, yeah. who were not in post last time you ran mm. either a show at all or a full size full successful show. So you're you've kind of got a. A, a history and a building from scratch element. How do you balance those two competing yeah. challenges? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was, I wouldn't say it's starting from scratch because of course we did still have a database there, but of course, while the, the turnover in the tech industry is, is pretty, pretty, you know, pretty high yeah. anyway, when you throw in COVID into the mix, we found and looking at our data, we really did have a challenge on our hands. We couldn't rely quite as much on the legacy data, the, the returning attendees that we had in the past on top of the, you know, the understandable concerns about social distancing and things like that. So that's why we thought it was really important for us to call on Kate from eFocus Marketing to, you know, make the most of the data that we did have available to make it work harder for us and kind of take us to the next level as well. So looking at our campaigns, what it is that we can do that we have within, you know, our control to, to give us the best chance of success in the next event and to, to meet the challenges that we'd set for ourselves. Sure. So let's let's zoom in a little bit on it. You and Kate sit down in a meeting room with a whiteboard. She says, okay, what have you done so far? What's what are we working with? What's the basic platform? Can you give us a sketch of what it looked yeah. like before this transformation? Absolutely. So just before we worked with Kate in for our 2022 show, we had made an effort of segmenting our data to suit the needs of each of our clientele from, sure. from the lower entry level, I suppose, tech professionals right up to the C-suite. And it was successful. Yeah, it resonated a lot better than the kind of generic, you know, um, same old content that we had tried in previous years. It was good in that regard, but what we found was it was a huge time drain. It was a huge amount of resource for the team. Um, so when we first started working with Kate, basically the first thing she said to us was, can you put everything that you did in 2022 on a board, all the emails, and let's see how it looks from you know 12 weeks out up into the show. Now, I didn't realize how messy this was going to be, but when it was all laid out on a, on a lucid chart, um, I'll be honest, it was an absolute monstrosity. It was a scattergun approach of throw everything at the wall and, and basically see what sticks. <laughs> now, as I say, it was successful. We were considerate of different audience needs, but there was so many ways we could do that better. And so one of the first things we did after looking at that, you know, as I say, monstrosity, we, we took a step back. And the first thing we did, we talked about customer journeys. So the content that we're sending to our audience, are we sending the right content to them at the right time between their first email and then getting close to the show? So I guess to take an example of a C-suite, maybe 12, 10 weeks out, they may simply be wondering, um, you know, what tech events are actually available in the industry? Um, what do I need to keep up with in terms of tech trends? Or why should I be bothered in this event? So we'll deliver something perhaps around, you know, the, the key themes of the event, something around the conference program and the things that they should be aware of before coming to the show. And then as you kind of move closer to the show, whether or not they've converted, we can start thinking about, okay, now we need to justify their time out of the office. Travel and accommodation, can they get to the Excel? Do they think it's the back end of beyond? Understandable if they think that, but hopefully we can change their mind. So that was kind of the first step. So looking back, 
before we build for 2023, um, you know, are we targeting our people with the right content at the right time? So we would then take that lucid chart, that mess from 22, start picking the bits out that we thought were relevant and put it in a nice, clean, new comp schedule, essentially. From that point on, we could be a little bit more strategic, a bit more dynamic. Uh, by having this plan before the campaign started, laid out in this format, we can visualize this customer journey and think, okay, where are they best going to convert? Are we providing them value or are we spamming them with irrelevant content that's not going to do the job? So, so many, I, and I can't, you know, I can't um, underestimate how important this was for us. It sounds like a simple thing, but just having it in this format so you can zoom out and be a little bit more dynamic, it's going to make such a difference. We were then able to add conversion content on, on the same schedule, automation content underneath as well. So you've got your whole email campaign laid out right in front of you. Beautiful. And then you can start targeting things as well. The DevOps live audience is very community led. They're there to network and, and meet with their peers so we can give them something around the, the networking opportunities earlier in the campaign. Whereas the, the exhibition led world, data center world, they wanna know what the new tech is. What, what is the new yeah. thing in there? We can bump that forward. And this allows you to be more deliberate. Um, yeah, and a little bit less haphazard, let's say. Email and Beyond is a Spotlight and eFocus marketing production. Spotler is the all-in-one sales and marketing software for small and medium-sized businesses. Our suite of products covers email marketing, website personalization and tracking, social media management, and CRM. If you want to find out more about how our software can drive your success, visit spotler.co.uk forward slash email and beyond. So I mean, that's mostly about the, the footfall level, which obviously is a key mm. part of it, but I'm quite interested in how you get that balance between the footfall and the exhibitors, because... To get the footfall, you'd be like, oh, look, IBM are coming, Google are coming, whoever else is in you know, like yeah. data center worlds isn't my speciality, but I'll take those two as obvious. But then to get Google and IBM to commit, let's be what else beyond like significant resources to yeah. investing in a straight show, you've got to say, look, this is the footfall we're going to get. So, how do you balance like the timings, the different kinds of campaigns you send to, to the exhibitor side? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, over the course of, you know, let's say a 12 month campaign, the events cycle is of course very cyclical our event is every single march so that helps us to kind of plan ahead and know where we have to um you know put focus of our results and, and who we're attracting so with regards to the exhibitor side it's very important immediately after the show that we kind of ride that wave and leverage the the hopefully the success of what we've been able to deliver to actually get them to want to to exhibit again the kind of rebook phase is a, a hugely important part of it. So that can get you almost the bulk of what's happening next year. So as you start to then drip feed content to your, you know, people who've registered their interest for the next show, they're already getting little bites of, you know, potential information as to what's coming next. Although we won't unveil the full exhibitor list till much later in that same year. For example, we won't actually unveil our full exhibitor list until kind of midway through our pre-show visitor campaign. To be able to deliver these things, as you say, to offer some value, to, to keep them interested and to keep them loyal to, to your show is an, a hugely important thing. And to kind of equate that to, to dates, I would say, you'd probably spend, 
upwards of say nine months on purely the exhibitor side. Okay. It's more like, like a pure uh, demand generation, inquiry driving email campaign. Whereas if you move to the visitor side, we tend to be much more deliberate close to the show. So we don't want to open our registration four or five months out because we feel the people who then register or secure their ticket are far less likely to actually convert on the day. And our research has shown that than if you launch, let's say, two to three months before, really get the people who are excited, then give them the tailored information that really gets them to want to come. And then uh, hopefully you get a good turnout on the day. So that's interesting because one of the industries that Spot we work with, as well as event shows, is like travel tourism and leisure. And they, when you talk about the rebook phase for exhibitors, like is, is there a, a segment or a group that you can say, you know, you, you email them the week after the show and say, oh, hey, great to see you at tech show, mm. next year's going to be the same time. Do you want to book on that? Does that work at all? Or is that, is that far too early for the people? No, you're absolutely active? right. And, and, and it's kind of finding that balance between getting them interested for the next show, but not giving them too much for the next show. So to give you an example of that, we will open our register your interest for the next year, immediately after the show, just like you say, you know, hopefully you enjoyed the show. Let's get you signed up so you can you know, hear all the updates as to what's to come between now and let's say 2024. One of the ways we can do this and, and really attract people to, to commit to this early on is with post-show content. One thing that worked unbelievably successful for us this year was a post-show on-demand main stage campaign. So what we did at the show is uh, record all of our main stage sessions. We had people from NASA, we had Eliza Manning and Buller from uh, former head of MI5. We had a, a huge amount of, you know, exciting speakers that people wanted to listen to. And granted, not everyone would be able to turn up. And so one of the ways we can re-engage them is by uh, giving that content on demand. And what we would say is, if you want access to this, completely free, but all you've got to do is register your interest for next year as well. <clears throat> That's interesting because it's something that's part of a think about quite a lot because we do as long as, as well as public we do a lot of webinars on online so yeah obviously hugely ramped up during covid as well because we couldn't do seminars but they they continue to deliver for us and it's a good way of yeah. keeping content going so but one of the challenges we can be we um we continuously have is that because we've established this thing of making them available on demand afterwards there's a significant chunk of people who sign up knowing full well they're not going to attend um I can't get too annoyed about it because I do it as well. I, if, I mean, it could it, it could be that there's a good bit of content coming on at the same time I've got the weekly content team meeting, or it could just be that I forget, or you know, a project comes up, something urgent comes in, I've got to deal with, and they go, oh well, look, they, they're providing the recording anyway, it doesn't matter if I actually show up live. And for us, it's digital content delivered digitally anyway, so actually, mm. you know, much of a muchness, but when you're talking about when, when physical footfall is, um, yeah. Is a primary metric for success and how that you're doing it as a as a live show. Mm. How do you how do you balance that? Are you worried that releasing the content actually just you know someone from like a CTO from Manchester isn't actually going to bother coming down? Is I'll, I'll watch the session remotely afterwards anyway. You're absolutely right. Again, it's just finding that balance between making your value proposition of the physical show the best thing. So they they'll be missing out if they don't attend that, and then don't give too much away post-show for those who can't attend without neglecting them completely. Of course, we want to be able to, to provide them with some valuable content. 
I'm sure many of those people have, you know, genuinely can't come to the event. Yeah. And we want to be able to help these people. Um, but as I say, the the reason the exhibitors, the likes of the Googles, the IBMs and everyone else actually spend a lot of money to, to be able to exhibit at the event um, is because of the people that they meet on site. They want to get the, as I say, the, the C-suite, the directors, the budget holders through the door to have these conversations and to hopefully generate some business from that. So it's our responsibility as event organisers to make sure that people actually turn up on site. Of course, therefore, it does become a key metric. Who's on site? What are the type of people that are arriving on site? And then, yeah, it's about, as I say, striking that balance. In the past, we have recorded, for example, all sessions and then uploaded all of those. But when we found when we do hold back a little bit while still providing value, that conversion does go up quite a long way. So... Always a constant battle. I, I, I do see where you're coming from. I think for us, again, it's about really leaning in on the benefits of in-person contribution and, and attendance. For example, we really pride ourselves on the networking aspects of the event. We host um, evening drinks, for example, plenty of things on site. We have things like hackathons at the actual event as well. So there's actually plenty of engagement aside just from you know your typical conference program. You can actually meet with these guys at these tech companies who can provide you the solutions. And that's the real benefit that we offer as an event rather than just the conference program, which I suppose is the icing on the cake. Yeah, the other aspect of it, that giving something away while holding back is also, I think it plays into this a little bit. Another thing that I've thought about quite a lot is um, paid versus free events because, I mean, there's part, especially for, you know, for, for your loyal audience, like, they know what they're going to get, they know the value there, but the new people coming in, do you think there's a perception that a free event isn't quite as good? And then off the back of that also is, how do you judge it between like you know you, you can do your premium price you do look, look it's a thousand pounds a ticket but you're going to hear the latest exactly like what google was working on yesterday you're going to hear the latest stuff that's really valuable mm. or look it's a free event because we want you to come you're going to get all these ideas from different people you haven't heard of mm. but then there's almost there's a middle potential in there where it's like a, like a nominal ticket price enough to make people feel that they've you know committed something it's a pull factor to actually get them yeah get them to come away from their desk and go in there but or, yeah. but not so much that it doesn't you know, deter, especially yeah. a lot of lower level people that, that maybe don't have the budgets. Yeah, trying to think. And how do you how do you feel about getting that balance? Yeah, a very again, very fair question, and it's it's of course a conversation that we've we've had, um, and it's interesting in the events space, our direct competitors, other kind of tech related events, we see a lot of differentiation as to how people approach this. We see a lot, particularly in the UK, that do offer it for free, like ourselves, and then you do see others that that charge not only just a nominal ticket price but actually quite a premium ticket price and they kind of market that event on the back of an exclusivity for example which perhaps they don't necessarily offer versus ours which is a completely free event um, but what we find is and, and it's a good point on the conversion aspect if you're if you encourage someone to pay a nominal ticket price you would suggest that they're more likely to actually attend having you know got their wallet out to do so. Um, what we find is, and we're quite fortunate at Textual London, we've been around, I think, um, at least data center world cloud expo Europe, for example, for 15 plus years. So we do have quite a loyal audience, although as we talked about before, there was a lot of turnover through through the period of you know the pandemic and things like that. We do have that benefit of a very loyal audience. And in terms of the conversion that we have on site, it is quite significantly higher than the rest of the industry which is great and I do think that's 
because of the value that we provide to people that come on site, not just with the you know, the top exhibitors of the industry, the, the biggest names for people to come and see, but the strength of the conference programme, but the additional things that you get completely free of charge. And if we can pull people to the event because they actually want to come rather than they've paid money, then hopefully yeah. <laughs> it means they're gonna the ones that do come are gonna have a better experience anyway. They're not looking for that ROI of, you know, where's my money specifically gone, but they're blown away by everything they're given completely free, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, if you think yeah, I suppose a free event can be like, oh, it's a bit rubbish, like because they've not charged yeah. a ticket price, they've not had any budget to do stuff. Mm. Or if you go, oh my god, this is yeah. this is huge stuff here, then yeah, you that's do the entire show. <laughs> yeah, this, I mean the psychology of pricing. We could probably do an entire podcast series on, on just on that <laughs> alone, but it's it's a thing that fascinates me particularly. I mean, should we should we wrap it up with some just some stats of the what what the difference it made of having eFocus? Absolutely. Kind of there's some numbers to... Completely. I mean, we again, we could probably have a podcast just on that as well. Um, but Tech Show London, in terms of 22 to 2023, we had over 77% more registrations from email through the tactics that we, we initiated with Kate. We had uh, 167% more attendees through email as well, which is completely unheard of. It was our most attended event ever the most senior audience we had ever seen. Our net promoter score from the exhibitor perspective, because obviously that's still important when people come on site, yeah. increased by a third. So across the board, there is a complete transformation. The only problem now is we've set the bar so high that we've got some work <laughs> on our hands for next March. Um, but yeah, plenty of stuff to, a brilliant platform for us to build on. And uh, something we're really proud of. I, I think you take that challenge over the challenge you had coming out of 2020. I think so, with you. absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. Okay, so yeah, that was that's the kind of thing that Kate and I and everyone else can help you put in place if you get your email marketing right. It's not just this boring background thing that sits around. Actually, it delivers Absolutely. delivers results. That's um that's a perfect place to wrap the podcast up. And yeah, check out Tech Show London. Get your tickets. Go and come and see Chris. And um, yeah, well, um, yeah, see the see the impact for yourself. Start checking them out and you'll see the see the emails that you get now and see how, see how good they are. I think we'll leave it there. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And we'll see you again soon for another Email and Beyond. If you liked this episode, please follow us on YouTube and subscribe through iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.